19, well, we'll have them way back there, ain't I? 2016. It's been a long, long journey. I can remember my first Feast of Tabernacles. That was 1964. I had a little daughter, a wife, and a little older daughter. It was when we first were blessed by God to come into the knowledge of God's church. I had one little girl. She sits back here at the sound table now, which is always a privilege, you know, and a fantastic blessing to to enjoy that you can enjoy the feast with your family. And we, I remember back in those feasts in the 60s, we'd go to Big Sandy, we'd camp out. We might have had three or four thousand people camped out out there. It was really, it was really amazing because at the feast then it was like a family. We were able to go from tent to tent. You could go from feast, from church congregation to another one, and you were like family. I mean, you enjoyed the Feast of Tabernacles. And that's one thing that always stuck in my mind, was how we were so close at the Feast of Tabernacles in, in the 60s. Then in 1960, 1975, at the Feast, it was the first year that we decided to try someplace else. And to me, that was kind of a distraction uh, it was an eye-opener because coming from Big Sandy where you're camped out, you know, and you walk to the next tent site and, and um, hey, you welcome in. We want breakfast. You want, you want uh, coffee. You, you know, you want a drink. You want, uh, you know, it's just family. You love each other. It was, it was a large family. It made me think of what's going to happen in the future. But in 75, I mean, 1975, we went to St. Uh, Petersburg. And I was expecting to be like it was there at St. Pete, I mean, at uh, Big Sandy. Totally different. I think in my life, my wife and I and my family's life, it was a turning point. Because I like people. I like the fellowship. I like I like the atmosphere we had at Big Sandy, but it was totally different in St. Pete. What was so amazing was before the last prayer, it seemed like there was a mass exodus. Hundreds of people were leaving during that last song. During the feast service, during the service, you know, we had when uh, Mr. Armstrong or an important person was there, we, we set people up on these pedestals, you see. And you have to think about that. We've had people, we had ministers on pedestals. And when Mr. Armstrong was going to be there, I remember that one year, Ted Armstrong and Herbert Armstrong were both there. We had 15,000 people. I was counting the taking care of the part of the uh, 
uh, the, uh, the roll call. And we had to know exactly who was there and where you were from and all that. You know, was all that is very important. But during that service, I happened to walk out into the hallway just to see. And I, I couldn't believe it. There must have been 300 people wandering around. Well, I'm used to the Feast of Tabernacles where we were together. It was a family, you know. When services were there, everybody was at services. Unless you were sick, or maybe you had a child that was sick, or, or one thing or another. But, but there at St. Pete, it was totally different. My wife went to the mother's room one time. She stayed there about five minutes. She came back out. She said, you can't hear the sermon. There's so much commotion, so much yapping and talking, and, and why are we here? She said, why are we here? And I asked myself, why am I at the Feast of Tabernacles? I sat there last night and this morning, both times, and thinking about what is the reason for me to come to the Feast of Tabernacles? I know Mr. Armstrong get up there all the time and he'd say, Why are you here? I'd sit back and say, mm, Because it's the Feast of Tabernacles. I didn't focus on exactly why I was there. I didn't say, Well, let me really think about this. I'm coming to the Feast of Tabernacles. Just why? Oh, maybe it's because it's my vacation. I've had people that I've been very close to over the years tell me the Feast of Tabernacles is their vacation. Is it? Is, is the Feast of Tabernacles our vacation? Is that what we come for? So that opening, eye-opening deal in 1975, I said... Yeah, this is vacation time. Well, I, I can remember back in as a Methodist church as a little boy or young young man, or, you know, before I got married, and I, my wife and I both went to the to uh, the Methodist church, and I was amazed at the people that come with their bathing suits on, because they had other clothes on top. But but you see, as soon as services was over, and it was terrible. Those services were really long. We had a I think in the Methodist Church, a, a Bible reading. They read a verse. They'd sing some songs, and they had this canned stuff they read. And then they'd have a sermonette. And it was over. And man, they were all heading to the beach or wherever. But it's 1975. I said, This is God's church. I didn't expect that. But they're there for their vacation. So what happened in 1975? At the last service, you, you went back and people disappeared. They went to Disney World, Epcot Center, um, to the beach. They, some had, fact is, some people even would miss a service so they could go deep sea fishing. And I'm sitting there thinking, why am I at the Feast of Tabernacles? What's, what's, the, what's the purpose here? I wanted to be with people. I wanted to meet people that I had known over the years. But they come in late and leave early. And then they'd mull around during services. I just don't, you know, it's just... 
I just couldn't believe it. So that was eye-opening. Then I read in Isaiah 11, because we taught this. I can, I can remember at the feast and other times. Isaiah 11, verse 6 through 9. We, we taught this. This was, this was what was, we're here for. It says, The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb. Wow. I know wolves and lambs don't get along too good together. Well, the wolf likes to wrap himself around the lamb. And is that what's happening in, in the church today? We have wolves wrapping themselves around the lambs and devouring them. And the leopard shall lie down with a kid. <laughs> I look at some of these things, National Geographic, when you, they show the leopard or the lion or something. You, know, and, uh, you don't see them cuddling up next to a, to a kid. In fact, when you do see it, they generally have the kid staked down so he can't move, and they're trying to capture the lion or the lamb or the leopard. And I've thought, through these years, 64 through 74, hearing these sermons of what the future is going to be like. And then I see the mass exodus. And thinking, what's the most important part of the Feast of Tabernacles? And, and I sat there last night and I said, well, Nelson, why are you... Why are you here today? Well, I'm, I'm here because I got an old trailer to sit in and get away from my nice house, nice cozy warm house, my nice warm bed, you know. If it gets cold, I turn the electric blanket to nine, get in the fetal position and just stay there snug as a bug in a, in a rug, you know. <laughs> but I'm in this old trailer. Because it teaches me that I'm just temporary, you know. This is my 52nd feast. And the second Feast of Tabernacles that I've been without my wife. And I'm learning that there's more to life than Disney World. In fact, I never liked Disney World. <laughs> I don't like crowds. I did the feast. I liked the crowds at the feast, but I didn't like the crowds at Disney World. I hated to pay fifty, sixty dollars, whatever it was, to go into a place like that and maybe ride three rides because that's all the time you had. What a waste of time. What a waste of time. So I'm saying, why am I at the feast? And I've heard all these things in Isaiah 11. The calf and the young lion and the fatling together and the little child shall lead them. And this is talking about what it's going to be like in the world tomorrow. That's what the world tomorrow is going to be like. You're not going to have lions eating calves. Or you're not going to have wild animals and beasts attacking uh, children. We won't have the biggest attacker of children is 
the human being. Men and women who are lost their focus on what life is about. Of course, we know this happened and started in the garden. Daryl just brought this out last week or a week before. That the whole problem with mankind started in the Garden of Eden, didn't it? And God is now working toward a new garden. And so I asked last night and this morning going over this, I said, why am I here? Because I want to see a Garden of Eden. Because I want to be a part of what Isaiah 11 is talking about. Verse 7, And the cow and the bear shall feed together. Let me tell you, I've been in front of a, confronted by bears. Not like Daryl. No, Daryl's he's a different guy. He's, he confronts them, but he's got, he's got some ammunition behind him. Me, when I confronted that bear, I had a machete. And he looked like he was about ten foot tall. In reality, he was not much bigger than me. But when you're out there at sundown, working a bee yard, and you hear this noise, and you see the bees just pouring out of the hives, you know, there's trouble. And you turn around, and less than ten foot away is this gigantic bear about my size, climbing a tree. (laughs) And you don't even have the machete in your hand. (laughs) But here it says the cow and the bear which are enemies right now, we're going to feed together. And a lion will eat straw. Wow, that's going to be something, won't it? That's what I'm looking forward to. I hope that's what you're looking forward to. Only there's more to it. And a suckling child will play on the hole of an asp, on the hole of a snake. Now, i got an ex-son-in-law that he used to play with snakes. I remember the first time he came to a baseball tournament, he had one wrapped around his stomach. It was a ball python. Of course, it was only about 20 inches, 21 inches long. When it died, it was like six or seven feet long and about two inches in diameter. <laughs> and he had it in his bedroom with him. That was more than I could take. But I'm looking forward to this time that when children, they're not going to have to worry about being molested. They're going to be worried about being kidnapped. That's not going to happen. So maybe one of the things that excites me is I'm looking forward to that time. And I ask and wonder, what are you looking forward to? Why are we, have we chosen this feast site. I mean, we could have gone to Orlando or, or I don't know, Dustin or any number of places where they have everything lined out. And even here in St. George, Utah, there are two feast sites. And I read one of their uh, itineraries. And they've got this lined up and this lined up. And they've got everything lined up for activities. Get their mind on something different. But here, we don't have our minds lined up on going to some 
fancy place and and having you know a short service and then enjoying life. We walk away. We're not with anybody. You know, Daryl's got it set up for us to go together to see the important things that point us toward God. Pointing our minds toward God. That's that's what's important to me. And I asked, well, maybe we're here because Daryl is so dynamic and he's such a great orator and, you know, he's got all this wisdom and knowledge and, and he's the greatest speaker around. Then I read 1 Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians 1 and it says, I didn't choose great speakers. I didn't choose the financial experts. I didn't choose the kings and priests. No, I chose the guys off the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> so I, we can't put some person on that pedestal, can we? We just can't do that. As I look at the people back in 1975 and on, because, you know, I had only attended three feast sites in Worldwide. Big Sandy, St. Petersburg, and one time we went to Nassau, Bahamas. And I told my wife, we're not doing this again. (laughs) Just not going to do it again. Especially with little kids. If they can see the bartender, they could get served. And there was no control on children. I tried to control my children and was threatened to get beat up because I had my children in control. I was threatened to be beaten. And I just told the person, I said, you're bigger than me, you're stronger than me, and you can stay here while everybody else goes home. Because I'll put you in jail. (laughs) But why were we there? We got done with services and, man, it was... You didn't see anybody unless you had some kind of a, a short date with two or three people. In 2001 and 2002, Daryl blessed my wife and me by allowing us to go to South Africa. We had a little bit more people than we have right here today. And you know, that was back to a time when it was like a Big Sandy. We were a family. We went places together. We did things together. We ate together every day. We went to services together. It was great. And I think what happens down the line in in St. Pete and on in worldwide and in many of the churches and many of the congregations and uh, around the world today is they forget Proverbs 29.18. Proverbs 29.18 says, Without vision, the people perish. And I think, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel that people have lost the vision of why we are keeping God's holy days. All of them. It's a plan that God set up for us to learn by and to love Him. And so when I look around and I I wonder, where are the people? 
what vision do they have? A feast? Or is it a vacation? Is it coming away from the world and getting close to God? Or is it, we're just going to follow a man? Well, if that's why we're here, that we're following a man, you're wrong. Because you're not here following a man. I know Daryl, I work with him. Uh, we go riding around together. I've been traveling with him. I've done, uh, I know where his heart is. His heart is keeping and getting our hearts focused on one fact. God is God. And doing His work, His will, His way. Not Daryl's way, but God's way. We can say, well, and I had this happen to me. person came to me and said, well, we're not keeping the, the holy days this year because the minister didn't tell us that, that we had to. And I'm saying, what do you mean? The minister didn't tell you that you're supposed to keep God's feast? No, he didn't tell us. So I've got, a, I've got an important financial date I've got to take care of. I'm going to make money. Oh, okay. So I said, you don't, you don't know why you're here. You don't know what you're doing. You don't know why you're alive. Maybe you need to go back and read Human Potential. You know... Mr. Armstrong had that right. There's a, a, a very important thing. Go back and read the human potential. Because that's what's important. Why you are here. So we can blame, you know, well, we're going to, we're taking a cruise, or we're going to uh, Europe, or we're going to go to Orlando so we can go to Disney World. And, and, well, the minister didn't tell us we couldn't. He told us we should be there. So we blame them, but wait a minute. What does God say? Oh, we forget about that. See, what is that that Paul said? Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling? You mean I've got to do something? It's, it's Daryl's fault that I'm not doing anything right. You know, I, hey, it's easy. It's your fault that I fall short. You know, I got a little frustrated at George this morning. That's wrong. I should not have done that. It was my fault. But hey, I don't want to take the responsibility so I can say it's George's fault. <laughs> was it George's fault? No. He did everything right. It was my careless actions. So I can say, your fault that I have a problem. It's your fault. It's my wife's fault. It's my daughter's fault. It's not my fault. I'm not the guilty party here. But God says, work out your own salvation. <laughs> but isn't it up to the ministry to work our salvation out? Isn't it their problem? Aren't they supposed to to teach us 
what car to buy, what house to be, where to move. You know, I came here, and I can say it's because of Daryl. But that's not the case, because I didn't make the decision to move out here until... It must have not been 2001. It must have been 2002 and three that we went to South Africa, because it was in 2001 at the feast... Went through seven days. I was doing. I was doing the first sermon on the last day, and I can look over there at Daryl, say, "Your fault, Daryl. I've got to move out here." No, that's not what happened. I was doing the sermon, and it's like a light bulb came on, and it said, because Daryl had gone through. It's a good sermon back there in two thousand one. I mean, we can go back and gain a lot from all these old sermons. But I was doing the sermon, and, and we had talked, um, Roy Hyatt and my wife and Daryl, and, and we sat before the feast. We sat in the switchback, and we were talking, and, and Daryl was talking about the importance of God, what God wants from us, and what God expects from us, and, and how beautiful this place is, and why Zion is so important. Went through seven days of the Feast of Tabernacles. Here it is, the eighth day. I was doing a sermon, and all of a sudden, the light bulb comes on. And I said, we're going to move to St. George or Canab. And my poor wife sat back there, and she says, thank you for discussing it with me. <laughs> thank you for, let's talk this over. <laughs> and I said, no. God says, i got to come out of the city. I got to leave my eight children, my eight spouses, my at that time probably fifteen or sixteen or seventeen grandchildren, no great grandchildren then. And we're going to sell my nice little house. I just bought her this house. I've only been there a little over a year, or maybe two years. Had a nice swimming pool. She really enjoyed it. She could go out there and it was screened in. She didn't have to worry about mosquitoes and. And I could keep uh, enough stuff around to keep the roaches down. And here, here in this beautiful place, uh, you could walk outside and you sweat, but you could jump in this nice swimming pool and cool off. And I just told her, and everybody else, same time, we're moving to the West because God said to. Okay, it wasn't Daryl. Uh, God said, He told me, you know. I expect you to come out to a place where I can teach you. And that's what happened. So why are you here? <laughs> Do you feel that you were told to come here because of a man? Or, or did God inspire you to come here? And what are you looking for? Well, I have three points why I'm here. I hope that we all fit into these points. The first point, that I'm here because God commanded me to be here. Okay. I can say God commanded me to be here. Leviticus 23. Leviticus 23, verse. we'll restart verse 1 and 2. And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, and I'm using, I'm using the King James, it's just that 
I'm like Mr. Armstrong at that point where it's, I got to start expanding the letters before I can read them. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying unto them, Concerning the feasts of the Lord, which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations, even these are my feasts. Oh, this is not a minister's feast site. This is not some church group's feast site. God says this is His feast, and He selects where you are to come. But wait a minute. Why do so many people select to go to Orlando? Or to some other feast site, maybe some place in California, so you're close to all these fancy places, or any place across this country, or maybe take a cruise. I mean, they did that one or two times in the feast in the worldwide. They took a cruise. I've been on a cruise. Hey, they're relaxing because no cell phones, no TV. Nobody can get a hold of you, especially when you don't tell them what cruise ship you're on. <laughs> you're away. But to take the feast on a cruise, I don't know whether that was anything I could ever have done. Because my mind would have been distracted from why I am here. Am I here because God commanded it? Leviticus 23, verse 33. And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, In the fifteenth day, last night, I was outside. Darrell and Charnel were out there. and Charnel says, Look up there. It's a full moon. It's the fifteenth of the seventh month. It's the Feast of Tabernacles. God chose us that. So he said on the fifteenth day of the seventh month shall be a feast of tabernacles for seven days unto the Lord. It's a feast unto God. It's not a feast unto the ministry. It's not a feast unto a religious group or a specific group. It's a feast unto God is what it is. On the first day shall be a holy convocation. So here God says we will be here on the first day, the daylight part of the 15th of the month. So, why are you here? Point number one. Because God commanded you to be here. Told you this is where to come. On the first day you shall be a holy convocation. You shall do no servile work therein. Seven days shall you offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. And on the eighth day shall be a holy convocation. So, we're going to be here because God said, this is my time. But you know, when I look at everything, I look out at the world, people think you're crazy for being here. 
in the church of God, the churches of God scattered in all the many groups, they look out there and think, you're crazy. Because you're keeping the feast two days before some and a month after some. <laughs> and who's right? Well, for me, this is right because I'm not following the Jews who God has said that they're not keeping it right. And those that keep it early because the way they count uh, the equinox or the first day of the first month, if it's less than 15 days before the equinox, that's when they start their, their, their uh, month. If it's less than 15 days after the equinox, that's when they start the month. So their time is varied. I mean, it can vary every year. It's nothing permanent. But God has shown us through His servant that we have to have something that is fixed to start with. And that's the equinox. It's a fixed time. And He says... You keep the new moon, and that's fixed. And then you have to keep the day right. Now, some people keep it at sunrise. Some keep it at midnight. But God says, at the going down of the sun begins a new day. Go back to Genesis, and you know, that's all proved. If you've been around long enough, you know, that begins at sundown and goes for 24 hours. You know, Daryl's related to them when they came to him and said, well, because you're up here in Alaska and the daylights are different. I live in Goose Bay. I understand what it is. In the wintertime, uh, sunrise was about uh, 1 o'clock in the morning, and sunset was at 2. <laughs> or maybe it was 12 and 1. I mean... But it was still, you still had sunrise and sunset, so <laughs> there's still 24 hours. I don't care how you count it, there's still 24 hours. And in the, in the summertime, uh, sunset at uh, 1 in the morning. By 2 in the morning, it was already sun shining full. So you only have, you only have a, an hour worth of nighttime. So it's, that, that's hard to figure. But God has shown us His way is from sundown to sundown. So you count your days, 24 hours. So it will make any difference if sundown is at 1 in the morning and and at sundown is going to be 1 o'clock in the morning the next morning anyway. So it's going to take 24 hours. But not everyone believes that God is in charge. And so, like I brought out, they lost the vision of why they came to the feast, why they followed God's holy days, why they listened to God, what they're looking forward to. But you know, even though the people, this nation, the world, doesn't believe God. But when you read Zechariah, <laughs> it's interesting. They are going to believe it. They will believe it. They will keep God's feasts, and they will keep God's feasts the way He wants it to. Turn to Zechariah 14. Because not everybody believes this today. 
Not everybody believes us today. Zechariah 14, verse 17. And it shall be that whosoever will not come up of... Get that word, all? If they will not come up of all the families of the earth to Jerusalem to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, even upon them shall be no rain. Oh, you mean we can do our own thing? <laughs> you watch in the world tomorrow. If they don't come up to keep the feast, it's going to be tough trying to find something to eat. I mean, you, you'll start waking up. You go, you go start scrounging around to getting food. You're going to understand. I better start keeping the feast of God. And of all the families of Egypt, go not up and come not that have no rain, there shall be the plague wherein the Lord shall smite the heathen that come not up to keep the feast of tabernacles. This is the punishment of not only Egypt, but of all the earth. Of all the people that have finally gotten into that position in the world tomorrow. So, we're here because we're here to keep the feast because God commanded it. And everybody is going to obey one way or the other. It's not because you decide to or you want to. Let's go on to point two. I'm here because I'm wanting to have fellowship with God, with Christ, and with God's family. In Matthew 25, it tells you specifically the way you treat each other is the way you treat Christ and the Father. So if we get frustrated, do we get frustrated with God? Huh? Is that what happens? Do we hate another person? Well, maybe I hate God too. Of course, Samuel went into that same category, and Daryl brought that out, you know, and how it says we hate. We don't want you to be the ruler. Even God put you there, but that's okay. We don't care what God wants. We don't want you to be the ruler. And God says, Christ said to Samuel, It's not because they hate you. They just don't want me. So I'm here because I want God, and God gives me all of you to fellowship with to see when I make a mistake that, hey, I've got to turn around because if I get frustrated at you, I'm frustrated at God. So I'm here to learn not to get frustrated. I'm here to learn to love you as much more than I love myself. But it's not human nature to say, hey, I love you more than I love my... No, no. No, human nature is, I'm number one. Okay? I'm better than you are. You don't believe me? Ask me. (laughs) No, I'm here because I want to fellowship with God's people. I'm here because you have the vision 
of what's going to happen in the world tomorrow. And it's kind of a, a mini time to go back to what it was like in, Saint, in uh, Big Sandy in 1964 and 5 and 6 and 7. That closeness that we had with each other. So I'm here to, to learn to get that closeness. And I'm, learning, I'm here to learn to love you. And, and the opportunity to serve you. Because when I look at the world tomorrow, these people that go through this Holocaust that's coming are going to be scared to death on anything. If they make it through, anything or anybody is going to scare them because they have seen such a horrific triumph time Billions of people dying. So I have to learn to be able to deal with each one of you and you have to learn to deal with me and, and because this is a, a training period of time. So I come to the feast because I'm commanded and I come here to learn how to fellowship and learn how to serve and learn how to communicate with you. And that's difficult. Because I know all the answers and you can't help me anyway, you know. <laughs> no, I understand I don't. But there are things that you can do that I can't. There's things that you can tell me that will help me have a better way of life. So I'm here to learn how to be able to deal with the people in the world tomorrow. And I can't do that until I learn how to do it today. And that's important. It's important to be able to share what I have and to share what you have. You know, we intershare, intertwine what we have. Because then we become balanced and we can then, in, when we confront somebody who's so scared, and here you're a spirit being now, you can't die, you can appear and disappear. And can you imagine people who have, have been underneath Satan's society who believes in goats, who believe in all these uh, Harry Potter and all this other garbage that's out there, and all of a sudden they've seen all these people die and they've seen this, the world coming apart in front of them and you appear. <laughs> all of a sudden, boop, there you are. And they're going to say, uh-oh, you know, they almost die. They'll be that scared. So I have to learn how to be able to communicate with you and you communicate with me and we can love each other so that we can approach them with tremendous love and, and compassion like our Creator has. You know, Psalm 136 says in every verse, God's mercy never fails. There's no end. Do I have that kind of mercy? No. I'll tell you, I, there are times I don't have mercy either. Um, we, I had mercy last, just Friday. Didn't get a ticket. Got a warning. That was mercy to me. I can't afford a ticket. But it was merciful that he just said, 
You can't drive that slow. You can't impede, tra- uh, impede traffic. Uh, or I'll give you a ticket. I said, okay. I don't. I can't afford a ticket. It's, that's. But so I have to have mercy too. And God showed me some mercy yesterday. And God shows me mercy from each one of you in compassion. Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10, verse 24 and 25. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. Oh, man. I mean, that hits me on the head. It's like... When you're pounding a nail in the, and you put your finger in the way of the nail, <laughs> it hurts. To consider each one to provoke you to love. Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together. So I think back of the 75 and 6 and 7 and 8 and 9 and 10 and all those years that I went to uh, St. Pete and to... Nassau, we forsook the assembling of ourselves together for whatever it was we wanted to do. It was more important than fellowshipping with God and learning to see what the world tomorrow is going to be like. This, this communication, this love, this compassion that we should be having, that we can have in the world tomorrow and that's what the world's going to be like in the world tomorrow it's going to be like that and we'll go to point three I got a lot of, I always have a lot of information go to point three the biggest point to me but they're all big points. Loving each other, loving God. Those are big points. This point is, I'm here to learn to love God. I'm here to learn what it is God wants from me. I can't do it on my own. I don't care who the people are. God has set, you can go to Romans I think it's 10. It says, I, I give you people to teach you. And he selects them. So we can think that I don't need a minister. I don't need preaching. Well, you're wrong. You cannot learn God's way. I know from the past of speaking that a lot of things that come under your mind while you're speaking are not from you as the speaker, but God who leads you. And you're hearing what God wants you to hear. I've, I've sat in services, and the sermons have been right at me, and somebody else come up and tell Daryl, why are you picking on me? And I'm sitting back there and saying, that, that was to me. Well, because I know Daryl. I've been around him a lot. And he knows me, so he can do these sermons about me. 
But I don't come to him and say, why did you speak that way to me? Why are you picking up? No, it's not that. God is picking on me because God wants me to change. And so when you hear a sermon, it's not because God's picking on you, I mean the, the minister picking on you, because God wants you to change. It's God that's picking on you. And so what you're saying is, I don't want these sermons. You're saying, I don't want you, God. I don't want you to teach me. I don't want you to correct me. And that's not the case. God does it because He loves you. And He's got something more in His mind, and it's going to be completed. God doesn't do anything without having a, a whole lineup of things that are going to get you to do what He wants. One way or the other. I mean, He might take you down. He might make you eat dirt. But sooner or later, you're going to either say, Yes, sir. Yes, Father. Or you're going to disappear in the lake of fire. So you've got a choice. It, you know, I had a guy tell me, you don't have a choice. You have a choice. You have a choice. You can either choose to do it God's way or, or not. Ephesians 4. This is, I, I said, Romans, Romans is true, but Ephesians also tells us the same thing. Ephesians 4.11. God says, He inspired Paul, who was a man who was out, tried to kill and did put people in jail. He hated the church until God said, I've got something more important for you to do. So here Paul says in Ephesians 4.11, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers because I want to punish you. No, that's not what it says, does it? It says in verse 12, So he selected some, not Billions, not everybody, but some for the perfecting of the saints. Perfection, what God wants. And so he put them there for perfection so they can learn of him. For the work of the ministry and for the edifying of the body of Christ. So that's why we have teachers. Because God wants a family and no matter what people say, God does it His way. Until we all understand that. Until we all come to the unity of faith. Some people have lost faith because they lost the vision. Don't lose the vision. Think why you are here. Why am I here? Why am I being spoken to? Why did God select this place and not Orlando? Well, because God didn't want you in Orlando. If you go to Orlando, it's because you selected it, not God. How can God train anybody when you have so much distraction He's always, it's been, a, it's been a, 
Go back in history. It's always been God takes His people to a place where He has control. There's nothing to distract you except God and yourself, your own mind. So God brought us to the desert where we don't have the rides and all this stuff that can pull your mind away from Christ and the Father. He wants to have the unity of faith and the knowledge of Emmanuel the Christ unto a perfect human being, man and woman, unto a measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's why we're here. So, you have six more, seven more days after today. Think on why you came to, to uh, Anatol. Think why you're here, what you want, and think what God wants. And think of all the important stuff. Pray for the sermons. Pray that God will open your mind and your heart to hear what He opens the speaker's mind and heart to. Because that is why you're here. You are here to be God. You're here to learn to get along. You're here to be able to work with other people. And you're here because God said, be here. And if you don't, you're going to want to be here because who knows what's going to happen next year. For those that could have been here, should have been here, but lost the vision. We don't know what happens. We don't know what God's mind is on that area. We don't know who He's not called and who He's called. And if people were supposed to be here and if chose to do something different, you know, those people in the world tomorrow, if they don't come, they're going to be without food. They'll be without rain. They'll probably eat. You know, they'll probably find food, but it's going to be scarce and hard to come by. And you will want to be there the next year because you will want to be blessed. You will want to be with God's people. You will want something right. You will want to do it God's way. So I can say, I'm here because I want to be a part of the Bride of Christ. I hope you want to be the Bride of Christ.